Welcome to the Accrescent Podcast. I'm Leanne, and I'm so excited that you are tuning in to my Release 2020 podcast series. This is a series of short interviews with people from all walks of life sharing their experience with COVID-19 during this year 2020. I'll be asking each guest questions like, what was the hardest part of COVID for you? Did you notice that you had higher levels of stress, anxiety, or even depression? In those moments of heightened stress or anxiety or depression, how did you notice your behavior or thought processes changed? What were things that made that stress worse? And what were things that made it better? Did you learn anything new about yourself? And going forward, what can you shift or adjust or pivot to have a better response in the future? There are no right or wrong answers in this series, and this is in no way meant to say that there is a right or wrong response to dealing with COVID. In fact, the goal and mission of this series is just the opposite. It's just to highlight each person's unique experience with this. Throughout the entire year, I have been hearing people, friends, family, people on social media saying things like, I just want to forget 2020, I want to pretend like it didn't happen. And to me, I have learned so much about how repressed emotions over time can really manifest as physical disease and really just linger and create this festering unease or dis-ease within the body. And so I wanted to do something to encourage people not to just forget 2020 and pretend like it never happened, but rather to take a pause and acknowledge whatever the feelings were that came up this year. And I know it's hard, it's easier said than done, but I think if each of us can, to even some extent, bring up the feelings, acknowledge them, process them a little bit, learn what we can from them, and then release them. And so that's why the series is called Release 2020. I think all any of us can do in any given moment is respond to the best of our ability. And so many of us may have felt like we didn't respond the way we wanted to this year or like we lost time. And again, the messaging of this series isn't, well, you should have done this, but rather the messaging is just, okay, all any of us can do is look at how we responded and say, do I want to continue to respond in that way going forward? Or do, or do I want to make some shifts so that I can respond in a different way, whether it's to COVID or some other type of very stress-inducing incident that comes in the future. So I think this is a beautiful opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves, how we deal with stress, what are the things that cause stress or anxiety or depression for us, what do we do when those moments happen, and how can we put things in place going forward so that maybe we respond to it in a better way in the future. And you guys know I love my challenges or the magnetic moments that I give you, and so the challenge in this series is to for the rest of December, keep a piece of paper and just start by writing down all the negatives from 2020, anything painful. And as December continues on, continue adding to that piece of paper anytime something comes up. And then on New Year's Eve, at the end of the year, we all together virtually will take that piece of paper of all the negatives from 2020 
and physically burn it on New Year's Eve right before 2021. So I hope you'll jump on board with that. I hope listening to these interviews inspires you to think about these questions for yourself. And I think it can create just a beautiful ripple effect of if your partner or your children see you making that list of the negatives of 2020 and processing it, learning from it, and then releasing it, hopefully it inspires them to do the same thing. Lastly, if you do find this series thought-provoking, helpful, inspiring, please consider sharing an episode or two with a loved one. You guys sharing these episodes really is the biggest way that people discover my podcast. And so it means so, so much to have your support in that way and see it in that way. If you do listen, consider taking a screenshot, throwing it up on social media and tagging me. It absolutely fills my heart with joy to see you guys listening, hear your feedback and your responses. So please tag me in something, send me a direct message on Instagram. I always include my social media links and my website in the show notes where you can find me. And with that, please enjoy this Release 2020 podcast series. Okay, well... I, I feel like I have to call you Mrs. Wahlberg, but welcome no. to the Aggressive Podcast. <laughs> and so a little bit of background, but I'll say Felicia is yeah. my best, best, best friend's mom. And so I'm so excited, but you're also, can you tell us what your official title is? Yeah, I, um, my official title is Licensed Professional Counselor. Okay. And I'm having each guest really start off by giving a little bit of their demographics and background so that people can really wrap their head around the situation that each guest is in. So if you don't mind sharing where you're living, married, not married, age if you're comfortable, but no pressure, um, just so we can wrap our heads around a little better of your situation. Yeah, Um, I live up in the Northwest in Portland. I am, I don't mind sharing my age. I'm 60. Oh, um, my mom's turning 60 this year. Oh, she is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're the same. Yeah. Yeah. I am single and have been single for 17 years. And uh, my profession is that I ha- I'm in private practice as a licensed professional counselor. Mm. So what has been the hardest part, and I'll say personally, Mm -hmm. of COVID-19 for you? Wow, that's such a big question and kind of broad there. (laughs) And you could break it down, or some of the hardest parts. Some of the hardest parts. I think that some of the hardest parts were initially how to respond to moving home and being isolated as a single person Mm. and some disappointment along the way had plans for this year that were more under the category of fun and fun got shut down. Mm. So a lot of adjustment, a lot of it professionally sitting with people where you had mentioned what, what were some big, some key things that came up and a lot of grief, a lot of loss of every single kind. And um, seeing it in my clients and recognizing it in myself as well. 
Mm. And, that, and that was just, you know, loss of being able to do that big trip that I'd planned to do, be with people that I was looking forward to being with. Actually, even celebrating my 60th birthday, my girls, my daughters had some big plans and that got cut out. So I think, I think it was just um, adjusting, adjusting to what was coming at us and not knowing the end of it, how long it was going to last. Yeah. So did you notice, and I think there's a pretty unanimous answer here, but I always like to ask it. I don't want to assume, but for you, did you notice increased levels of stress or anxiety or depression or anything like that? I noticed a lot of all of those, you know, but it was, I, we call it sort of the COVID coaster where, you know, it could be anxiety for a while. Then you're, then you're seeing the positives, the upside of what's happening in people's lives. And then, and I'm speaking as a clinician, but also even personally, then noticing some sadness and um, additional stress. I use the word disappointment. So there was a lot of emotions and not all bad either. I mean, I think I really, there were periods of time where I could really just see the goodness of of what was happening, that there was a silver lining and an upside. Yeah. What was happening in our society, our, our busy, busy society. And all of a sudden we're pulling back and we're doing personal inventory and considering how life might need to change or how we might want to change things going forward. Yeah. And I think that's such a great word, the personal inventory. And I think that left a lot of people shaken to their core Yeah, of just, oh, wait a minute. I haven't had the time to really look at myself deeply. One guest was saying like, I just, I've never had that much time with myself. Mm-hmm. And not only not having enough time for myself, but oftentimes we don't want time with ourselves. Exactly. And a busy life keeps us distracted from what's going on personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you fill it up with a lot of, it really got to a point, I think, where there was only so much numbing out you could do during this period. I know so many, myself included, I've watched more TV this year than I ever do. And I really am not a big TV watcher, but I think for a lot of people who really have a hard time being in the silence and the stillness with themselves, even they got to a point where it was like, okay, I just can't watch any more TV. I need to. And then Mm -hmm. that's really where a lot of the anxiety came up of just, what do I do? What do I do in this stillness? And I think for a lot of people, one of the things I was noticing too is, we don't have that time with ourselves. And I think a lot of people were faced with this epiphany of, I don't even know who I am mm-hmm. outside of this nonstop go, go, go lifestyle. Right, right. And things that we have buried for years and years in the soil of our heart was starting to like find its way to the top. And we were forced in that quietness and um, to, to really look at those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the questions I'm asking is, because I want all of this at the end of the day to be a learning experience. There's no right or wrong way to go through periods like this. But I think all we can do is just look at 
this is what I have been doing the past month, three months, six months. And just ask yourself, do I want to continue to respond in this way? And if the answer is no, I want to respond differently and make shifts, then I have to kind of analyze my behavior and understand why was I doing that? Why is this my tendency? And so one of the questions I'm so curious about with each guest is in your most stressful moments or moments of like most sadness and disappointment, what do you notice your default behaviors or thought processes are? And I'll give an example if you need one. So for me, like when I get, when I feel really overwhelmed, instantly I find myself just wanting to isolate. And then the thoughts that come up are, I'm alone, I have no support, no one loves me. (laughs) And I laugh at it now because I know that thought process so well, but that really is like my instinctual response to stress and overwhelm. And so now that I've recognized that when it comes up for me, it's really just a mirror of saying, okay, this is truly how stressed you are. Mm-hmm. And then I know, okay, these thoughts aren't logical. This is just a very emotional response, but it really helps me when those do come up, go, okay, you, you really need to take a beat and think through this and see what is triggering you so much and kind of go through it. But I'm curious if you have some of those like default or instinctual responses well, actually, mine is somewhat similar to yours. I I am an extrovert, so I, I naturally will gravitate to people. I know that connecting with people and being outdoors, doing something active is what feeds me, that gives me life. And I think in this pandemic of stress, where we were told to isolate, and to back off of the things that we normally do, me as an extrovert, that was difficult. But what I did find is that I started isolating more. I started withdrawing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I didn't want to even reach out to people when I know that that's what I need to do. Um, I kind of jokingly would say to my friends, yeah, my couch is my best friend now. It's like, I can't wait home to get to my comfort, you know, that it, it was a wild turn for me. And I, and I do think in that isolation, so, some similar thoughts that like you had, of okay, what does this mean for me in my life as a single person? And where are my people and who, you know, what's secure for me? Those yeah. thoughts would come up for sure. And I think in those times, what I had to do is really to push kind of back into the things that give me life and purposely reach out to a close friend or purposely get on my bike, even if I didn't feel like it and get out. And when you did those things, did you notice a tangible shift? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just a shift even in my brain. I could feel it in my brain where there was just, there was a lifting of of a heaviness. Hmm. Um, so I, and I remember, I remember that happening a couple times, which was eye-opening. Yeah. Did you have a conscious moment throughout any period of this time where you, you started noticing this, th- that isolation or that wanting to isolate? And did you have a conscious moment where you were like, okay, this is not sustainable or it's not healthy long-term and I need to adjust this? Yeah. And I think it was exactly that time that I was talking about where I just, um, I could just 
feel or notice my emotions kind of going to a darker place and being on my couch, (laughs) my place of comfort. Yeah. And realizing this isn't healthy for me. I need, and I got on my bike and I went for a, you know, 15 mile ride. And actually the weather was really good. And just being in the sunshine and doing something physical, that, that was a moment. And I think that was early spring. Well, yeah, probably early spring, April or May. And so that was, I'm glad it happened then because I really felt a difference and it taught me something. It kind of reinforced some things that maybe I already knew, but it taught me something new for the pandemic being isolated like that. Yeah. I'm the same way when it comes to nature and there is just like, I really do physically feel yeah. the stress going down. Even if I'm just walking around my little com- complex, mm-hmm. it really did make such a difference for me. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge one. Definitely. So, and, those, and those are things that we know, but we sometimes forget we've discovered that in ourselves, but I think what we've experienced this last year is just has been so something that we've never experienced before. And we've had to kind of relearn some of those healthy coping. Yeah. Because it's, I think it comes back to that when there is so much stillness, Yeah, it allows you to, yeah, just to realize how you've been living the past, who knows how many years. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just, the first time for a lot, a lot of people to pause and say, whoa, I don't want to go back to that. And so Mm -hmm. I think for many, there's anxiety around, okay, how long is this going to last? But then also, I don't really want it to go back to how it was before, but I also don't want it to stay how it is now. And so we're all just kind of in the, what do I want the future to look like really? Yeah. That's that's a really good question and one that I've thought of a lot. And, and like you have felt the same way. I don't want to go back. I don't want it to stay the way it is. This isn't good either. What does the future look like? What is the new normal for all of us look like? And I know for myself, I think I busied myself with a lot on my calendar that I don't I want to be very intentional um, in what I do and thoughtful about who I'm spending time with and how much time I spend in my car driving around doing all of these things. I want, you know what? I think this has just really helped me to have a vision of simplicity and then asking myself, what is that? What does simplicity look like for me? Mm -hmm. And it certainly isn't the crazy that was before. Cooking meals, spending time in the kitchen with people, instead of always being out in a restaurant, that that to me is enjoyable. And I've actually listened to Lauren, my daughter, talk about just um, that's been a real positive for her, um, instead of always being out to stay in and do something like cooking together and playing games. And just, I, I mean, that just, that is, that makes my heart happy when I hear that because that could easily be something that's lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, were there any other things that you feel like you learned about yourself during this time? 
I think that I learned to be more patient with myself in terms of the COVID coaster. If I was having a down day emotionally, not to get down on myself, not to, I don't know, question why, you know, why I should be doing this or that or finishing this project and just being more patient, kind to myself, that maybe this was just a day that I needed to go even slower. As I mentioned, I just learning how much I wanted to reach out to people, knowing when it was most important to do that and when it was important just to be still and to identify even emotions that I was feeling. And that was, that was part of being kind, you know? Yeah. I love that you point that out, having the, just having more patience and grace with yourself. I really, really relate to that because I think we have this idea just in general I don't know where it comes from of, yeah, like we need to be on all the time Mm -hmm. and we really are trying to just keep that trajectory so even. So when it does become very roller coastery, we don't know what to do. And I think it was just, for me, it was a very, very similar thing of just like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Today you feel just totally lost and no idea what to do and what's important and what's not important. Um, I think for me, what really helped me in those moments was just thinking, I know this exact moment and these feelings right now aren't forever. Mm -hmm. It's more emotional than anything else, but it's okay to sit in it for a little bit. We don't need, we don't have to try and like pull ourselves out of fear. The instant it comes up, it's okay to sit in it sometimes. Yeah. And it's actually good to sit in it sometimes. It's uncomfortable, but it's it can be a good place. It's a good learning place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's really what this series is trying to inspire, is just hearing other people think through their year and sort of ask these questions. And hopefully it inspires listeners to ask these questions of themselves. And even if they just learn one small thing, to me, that's a win. Because I, I don't want people to feel like this was a wasted year. No, I, yeah, I don't think it was at all. It was a hard year, but definitely not wasted. And like I had mentioned earlier, that I this was the year that I was going to have fun after having several years of working really hard in my profession. I was, you know, this was the year to to sort of celebrate all of that. And when that got shut down, Um, What I found is that I got some things done that were needed and necessary, but again, maybe things I didn't, don't really enjoy looking at. Well, and for example, I, I have had on my to-do list for three years to redo my will. And so I thought, okay, this is, boy, we're looking, you, you can look at mortality in a way and think I need to get, I need to get my stuff in order not anticipating that that was going to happen to me, but seeing it happen to other people, that was a big project that I really wasn't excited about doing, but I did it and felt really good about it and just got some of just, just finances and everything in order, which was really, really good. And I opened my own practice. So that was, you know, 
set up an office and worked with colleagues on that. And so that was a big endeavor and kind of a crazy year to do it. <laughs> no kidding. But heck, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. You're saying that this year was supposed to be the year of celebrations. And I think right off the bat, your heart kind of sinks thinking, oh, I couldn't do this, this, and this that I planned. But I'm wondering, did you come up with any alternate celebration ideas to still celebrate all the things? Well, you know, we were to celebrate my 60th birthday and um, my daughters kind of got together and figured out a different way to celebrate that with a staycation and doing outings around the area on a daily basis. And that was, that was a wonderful thing when it could have just gone away completely, but no, we can, we can be creative and that's what we ended up doing. I think that was probably the, the most celebratory other than looking forward and what the, the next year would look like. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I think it's, I have a very all or nothing personality. And so my instinct is, okay, if I couldn't do what was planned, I won't do anything at all. And I'm really trying to balance that out. Yeah. Um, but I love that. And I think that's something that I've really seen this year is how flexible and creative people mm-hmm. can be. Yeah. Even with our hobbies, new, yeah. Hobbies, new hobbies. Yeah, exactly. Like learning to garden or bake or um, one thing I I pulled off the shelf is I used to love to sew. And so I did some of that. And I used to can all of the garden harvests. And I I started doing that again. And um, that's part of the simple life mm-hmm. that I was talking about. Things that we don't have time to do anymore. Yeah. And now, at least this year, we rediscovered that and pulled some of those things off of the shelf. It's much more, they're much more qualitative things. And this is something I was talking with someone else about too, that we've really been trained, programmed, whatever the word is, to count and base ourselves off of very quantitative things. Here's how much more money I made this year, or here's the promotion I got, here's the new things I got this year. And, you know, a lot of people might be like, yeah, the fact that I started learning how to garden is not a very quantitative thing. But I think what so many people are realizing is it's actually 100 times more fulfilling. And you can be just as happy and fulfilled spending three hours gardening than spending three hours like, I I don't know, whatever it is. Right. Right. There's, there's, it's really meaningful. I mean, think of, think of um, all that happens when you're out there gardening, pruning, pulling weeds, collecting the harvest, you you know, you just, I don't know, there's just something really rich about that internally. Mm -hmm. And, and even the process time, um, things that you're thinking about. Did you notice you mentioned earlier that one of the things you were seeing with patients is this trend of a lot of grief mm-hmm. coming up, mm-hmm. probably a lot of repressed grief from years before. And how did you go about, and I know this could probably be an entire interview on itself, so just don't don't feel pressure to go, you know, whatever, super in depth, but 
how did you help them work through that when so much is coming up, especially in a time that is already so turbulent? What were some good coping mechanisms or things that helped get them through that? Yeah. And I think grief, yes, it could be past grief, but it was a lot of grief that was happening in the moment. Um, you know, just all kinds of loss, loss of income, loss of um, of dreams of the year, loss of um, people in their lives. So lots of loss. Um, and I think, I think just being in a safe space where they can talk about it and know that there's somebody with them in it is so soothing mm -hmm. to the soul. Um, besides that, there's lots of ways of, you know, helping them to process that. And a lot of it is just slowing down, knowing that it's not a comfortable place to be. But um, if we grieve well, we will live well. Mm, that's beautiful. And so taking the time to, to do that and it, whether it's journaling about what the loss is, reaching out to people who have also experienced a similar loss or the loss of the same type of thing with like if it's a person kind of being collective in that. So there's, there's lots of ways, but I think initially it's just having that safe space to be able to really talk through it all. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And whether it's, you know, a, someone you live with, a family member, a friend, or a professional who I think that's super important that everyone has that. Yeah. I think the one thing that I noticed when you talk about past is that in this year, I've seen a lot of past trauma come up in people's lives uh, that has been prompted by what they're experiencing this year. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about these things that were buried in the soil of our hearts, kind of finding them their way to the surface, that's what I was referring to. There's a lot of past trauma that hasn't been fully processed or processed at all that's coming up for people. Yeah. And I imagine it just twofold. One, I imagine because we are all in an environment where we, to some extent, feel very powerless, feel very out of control. And I imagine that would take a lot of people back to childhood instances or instances yes. in their past where they felt that before. Yes, that similar feeling. Mm -hmm. But then also, I imagine it can be so difficult processing the old when, you're, when you also feel like you're in a present environment that is also traumatic. Yeah, I mean, imagine the intensity of that and the overwhelm of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so connected, you know, yeah. that you can help connect those dots for them. But you're helping them in, in those instances in particular, you're helping them not just get through the present emotions, but also everything that's been coming up too. So yeah. it's kind of a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. However, without this year, those that trump that past trauma a would have stayed buried potentially and come up later or just what we're finding is that it kind of rehooks some of the old so you have that opportunity to further process and resolve some things that maybe haven't been fully resolved in the past i think it's just so beautiful and i've been learning so much about how 
repressed emotions really can manifest as physical illness. Yeah. And so that was a huge motivator in this series of really communicating to people, guys, we cannot repress these emotions. We can't just pretend whatever we felt throughout this year hasn't happened. It is truly vitally important to our health that we get it, you know, bring it up, let it surface, look at it, acknowledge it, learn from it, and then we can let it go. That's right. Absolutely. Exactly right. Yep. Bring it up walk around in it, even linger in it, feel it, name it, and then you can come out of it Mm -hmm. and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what gives you that real sense of relief because I think you feel it. You just feel it festering, Mm -hmm. whether you consciously recognize it or not. And so for me, it's a big, big thing. I always tell people like, you know, sometimes you have those random moments where you just want to cry. You hear a song and it makes you want to cry or you just get overjoyed at something. And I've really been making it a practice to just lean into whatever those feelings are when mm-hmm. they come up. So if a song makes me want to cry, I just cry. Yeah. And maybe it's like two minutes and then it's gone. And I'm like, whoa, something really had to get out there. <laughs> but yes. then once it's out, you feel so good. Yeah. Sounds like you're doing some good work there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just feel it as it comes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, been definitely. the year. It's been the year of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the spirit of keeping this uplifting, I always want to end with asking the guest, what were some of the highlights of this year for you? It sounds like a big one was starting your own practice, which is huge. Yeah, yeah. it was. That was uh, that was really great. And I'm super excited about what we're doing. So definitely that. I bet I but I think even some smaller ones just maybe me maybe not necessarily me personally but it was just it was just fun to be able to step back and even notice families spending time together and hearing about all the board games and the puzzles and the getting together with your bubble of people to do your cooking and thinking about what does the new normal look like on a personal level and Um, how I want to order my life to be more intentional. I I think all of that were our upsides of this year. Yeah, what what you learned about yourself, what I think you processed, and then the vision going forward. I mean, those are huge gifts to come upon. Yeah. And you can even think of that in some of, I mean, we can, we can see this year as, as a, a traumatic year in in many respects. There were, there are a lot of people that have died. There are a lot of people who have lost uh, jobs and businesses and lots of loss. So it's a year of trauma. But if we can have the mindset of this positive, what what's the upside of it? What can we learn? How can we really internalize the things that we're seeing and learning about ourselves and our world? Then we can get to this kind of traumatic post-traumatic growth, how are we going to grow out of this and be different and, and a better version of ourselves? Yes, 100%. And I think that's kind of what where I'm ruminating and just thinking through. Yeah, I love that. And that it's those things that really just get me so excited for the future. You know, it, 
the hardest years for me always end up being the years of the most growth. Right. But I think it's that commitment to sitting in the uncomfortable, feeling those feelings, using them as a mirror to reflect back the parts of me that maybe I want to improve. And it's super hard and icky and uncomfortable, but I love seeing who I become on the other end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Felicia, Mm. thank you so, so much. I'm so happy we could do this. Yes, me too. Thanks for asking me, Leanne.